Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as someone who thinks Netflix House of Cards is too calm these days, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcast or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. Today in the red chair is Patty McCord, the former chief talent officer at Netflix. She's the author of a new book called Powerful, Building a Culture of Freedom and Responsibility. It's about how to fix human resources, motivate employees, and run companies better. Patty, welcome to Recode Decode. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So let's just talk about Netflix has been famous for its culture. And I want to go into your background and how you got there and stuff like that. But I want to underscore Netflix is very well known for creating the culture that led to it, especially with Reed and the group of you who were very cohesive for a long time. So let's go, when you say chief talent officer, you're head of human resources. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the new name for mm-hmm. an old job, really. But it's changed a lot, and it's in the news all the time. It's turned out to be a critical part of every company. It's at the heart of troubles at Uber uh, and other companies, lack thereof, of human resource uh, efforts. Um, so let's, we're going to, I want to dive right into it, but I do want to get into your background, how you got there and what how the culture of Netflix uh, was conceived. Well, in terms of my background, Mm -hmm. I think what's relevant is I came out of recruiting. Mm -hmm. So I'm not on the psychological side of human resources. I mean, people often say to me, you know, no one's ever called me touchy or feely. (laughs) I I don't really care (laughs) about your feelings. not a good thing these days. Yeah, I don't care about your feelings. It's really, I don't want to counsel you about, you know, I always say... um, Tell your mom, tell your pets. Those are both good listeners. Mm -hmm. I probably want you to get back to work. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're a recruiter, you um, you match make right, Mm -hmm. and you want to. You have this deep need to put together great teams that do amazing work. Right. And so as a recruiter, you don't get all wigged out when somebody leaves because Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to find somebody new, right? Right. And you're really interested in the work that people do because Mm -hmm. you have to understand it to find great people. So that's kind of who I am, and that's Mm -hmm. how I approach the job. That's how I met Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, Reed was a CEO of a small startup, Pure Software, when I met him. Mm-hmm. And he hired me, he told me later, only because I had the only skill that he thought mattered. Which was? I was a recruiter. Mm-hmm. Right. So none right. of those Which has mattered. been the, at the heart of Silicon Valley. Is recruitment has been more focused on than culture, even though they talk about culture. Yeah. And I, I just did a talk yesterday about what recruitment is. And mm-hmm. recruitment isn't the act of finding somebody who fits a do- job description. Mm-hmm. It's the deeper, what I'm interested in is the deeper ability to put together great teams that mm-hmm. get something important done. Mm-hmm. And it's not the job of HR anymore to be good at it. It's the job of everybody in management. To right. put, you know, I always say managers only have one job put together great teams that do yeah. amazing work on time with quality done, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Do so easy. It's so easy. Yeah. Um, so that's my background. That's how I came into it. And Reed and I worked together at Pure Software, which became, which was acquired by Rational, which was acquired by IBM. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were together about five years and we did four mergers and acquisitions mm-hmm. at that time. And mm-hmm. so every time we acquired a company, we doubled. Mm-hmm. So we took, I would take their employee handbook and our employee handbook and I'd mush them together and figure out however many policies I could put out that would piss off the fewest amount of people. And that was like <laughs> my role. And when we sold the company, it was a fine Silicon Valley company. It mm-hmm. wasn't any different than what did any it do? other. 
Huh? We made software development tools for other software engineers, okay. like right. Snap-on tools for geeks. It, right. So I, I was pretty deeply involved in the technology. Right. The other thing that happened for me there was it was just engineers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's who you were recruiting. That's yeah. who I was yeah. working with every day. Yeah. And I, in order to survive, I had to become one of them. Mm-hmm. Right. I had to learn that their world is digital. It's mm-hmm. good or bad. It's right or wrong. It's black or white. It's zero or one. Mm-hmm. And any nuance is bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, right. so there's no there's no gray. Right. right. So right. and I had to lose the HR speak to get any respect from them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we sold the company, it was a fine company. It just wasn't a great company and we right. weren't that sad about it. Right. So when Reed called me to join Netflix, mm-hmm. I said I thought that was a really terrible idea and I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd already done a startup with him and I was consulting so I, you know, I had time. Mm-hmm. I knew what he was asking me to do, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I said you call somebody that doesn't know what you're talking about here. Right. Um, I thought that the idea of DVDs in the mail was just Incredibly stupid. Mm-hmm. DVD players cost eight hundred dollars. You know, right. he's the only guy I knew that had one besides Mark Randolph, the mm-hmm. co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't wasn't into it. I wasn't mm-hmm. going back to do that again. And then he said, uh, I'm, "I'm like, tell me one compelling reason why I should do this with you." And mm-hmm. he said, "Let's make the company we always dreamed of." Ah, oh, he's good. Uh, that Reed Hastings yeah, is good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, for somebody like me, I'm like, damn. Yeah, right? yeah. So the first thing he said was, let's do a values exercise. You know, let's take the executive team off and talk about our values. And at that point, you know, we were up to our ears in work and Mm -hmm. we didn't have any money. And I'm like, this is just an utter waste of time. Um, And I don't want to do it. It's the middle of the Enron scandal, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to write down integrity and not act that way. Right. You know what I'll do, Reed? Let's write down if we see it, what it is. Behaviors, right. not values, not right. aspirational goals. So that was the first chapter, quotes, air quotes, of the Netflix culture deck. Right. It happened Which, to be a slide deck because that's how Reed liked to communicate right. at that point. Mm-hmm. And it would typically happen where he'd come up with a bunch of slides and mm-hmm. he and I would argue over them at one-on-ones. And then we'd bring it back to our executive team and we'd edit and we'd mess with it. And then we'd take it back to the rest of the company. We'd just sort of roll things sure. through and say, what do you think about this? Is it true? And the biggest thing that we did that was different this time was we wrote it down, mm-hmm. right? So that chapter on uh, the behaviors that we value, we rewrote six times when I was there, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're still working on. Reed's rewritten the whole thing as mm-hmm. more of a booklet form now, but right. um, but so we just wrote stuff down, and and then we started. What was the goal? What was when you're doing this? I mean, because you hadn't done this at your pre- the previous company. It so over time, right? Um, once we realized the business was viable, that we might actually make it, mm-hmm. and that we were starting to see scale, um, and and we got a team in of professional, you know, executives, mm-hmm. it, we were starting to feel that pain and pressure that all startups feel about. Mm-hmm. While we're a public company, we're going to have to grow up. Right, right. It's time for some of those rules. It's time for those processes. I mean, I remember our CFO sent me, oh, by the way, you know, here's our travel policy. Attaches the travel policy and the expense policy. I'm going to send it out this afternoon. Reed told me you had to look at it. Mm-hmm. Now, this was after we had written the part about high-performance employees and freedom, you know. So that was when I was like, wait a minute. If I have adults mm-hmm. who are really smart, 
and really capable, and we want them to operate, you know, in a high-performance way, why do they have to go ask somebody in finance about spending money? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, if they spend it foolishly, we'll know, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Why do they have to go through a third party to right. book travel to L.A.? Right, right, I right. mean, you know, and ask right. permission. and have, right. it, it just didn't make any sense anymore. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, typically how we did it. So we, you would create values and then not live them, in other words. I didn't want to do that. Yeah, right, I that's mean, what you I know, mean. So that's that, what companies yeah, do. Yeah, the whole point was... That was my mission, right? right. Let's do what we say we're going to do. Let's right. talk about behaviors. Let's. So then that was a conversation that lasted quite a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our executive staff about, well, of course you have to have travel, po- of course you have to have vacation policies. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody does. Mm-hmm. And that sort of started the seed of my rebel HR world, okay. right? Mm-hmm. So like when... Oh, this is we got we get audited right we're public we get audited KPMG comes down they're like mm, don't like your travel policy I mean, we don't like your time off policy because it's an honor system and it all falls to the bottom line and we're basically paying people thirteen months a year we don't like that mm-hmm. uh, the Sox people came in and said this is unacceptable here are five examples of acceptable vacation policies you can mm-hmm. have and I had like flexible time off because I don't care why you take it off. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Reed came in one day and he said, and I was mad about that, he mm-hmm. said, uh, do you have to have paid time off? Mm-hmm. And I said, of course you do. Everybody's got paid time off. I mean, you know, I am an HR mm-hmm. vice president at that time, <laughs> right? It, that, that person is on my mm-hmm. right shoulder going, of course you have to, it's best practices. And mm-hmm. then the person that hang around with him for eight or ten years at this point, I said, you mean legally? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Right. So I couldn't find in California a statute a said law you had that said you had to give people paid time off, exempt employees, salary employees. Mm-hmm. So we discussed just not having it. Mm-hmm. And people took off when they want. And people could take off when they want. But in order to do that, so the addiction for me about how I changed my job mm-hmm. was I had to figure out, wow, that's a great idea intellectually and conceptually. How is it really going to work? Mm-hmm. So then I had to change the focus of the management role from keeping track of when people were at work mm-hmm. to keeping track of was stuff getting done. Right, right, which is the real focus. Which is the real focus. Right, right. There are a lot of roles. And, and the real HR person in me says, have I ever really fired anybody for being tardy or absent at quarter million dollar salary a year? Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, sometimes... You just know if they're doing their job or not. Yeah, and sometimes they're not getting anything done and they're working all the time. Yeah. It was interesting. I have a similar point of view. Like, they, when I was at the Washington Post, they were always monitoring where you were or different places. And I'd always be like, I'm at the movies. And they're like, well, you can't do that. I'm like, why? Well, I got my story done. What do you care? What yeah. What I do with my you, other stuff? You like, know, Kara, it's so funny because when I first did this, right. I, all the reporters that came and interviewed me were thinking they were going to get the big new Google scoop. Right. And I remember one guy, I said to him, I'm like, you've been hanging out with me all day. Right. Like, how do they know where you are? You could be at the beach. Right. And he goes, well, I'm like, because you're going to write your story and it's going to be on time and yeah. it's going to be the right amount of words and it's going to be edited yeah. well. And that's how they're, this, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I said to him, I'm, I said, do you ever go into the offices of the San Jose Mercury mm-hmm. News? Mm-hmm. And he turns bright red and he goes, only occasionally. And yeah. I said, what for? And he said, 
to fill out my vacation request Yeah, for. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. Well, although they, we'll talk about the downsides of that, too. But so you were trying to create a culture of adults, really. That's what you're, you're talking about. Yeah, like I the already, people that have responsibility for themselves. You know, upon reflection, since I've been gone a while, right. we already had a culture of adults. It was right. I wanted to create a culture where people acted like that. Right, right, that they understood. And I started to realize that, I mean, it's why I named my book Powerful, is mm-hmm. that all this stuff about empowering people now, the reason we have to do it is because we took it all away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People have power. Right, right, exactly. So if you take away the rule or the process that says, don't let me do the thinking for you, and say, I am hired you because you are a smart, grown-up person who's interested in the problem we're trying to solve. How about you do some of the thinking? So it shifts, what Netflix does is shift the idea, the responsibility to the person. Like, you are responsible for your job, and if you get it done, you can get it done any way you want. I I, I remember talking to Reed about this early on, and I agreed with him completely. I, I used to say to a lot of my employees, I'm not your mommy. Like oh, yeah. I, I, I got kids, yeah, and, and I'm not even that strict that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it was it, it's an interesting concept because then it can be morphed into a really bad thing, like at Uber, like when you don't have adults. That's right. You know what I mean? And we'll get to that in a second. But so you were there working at this, creating this culture, and this deck. So this deck got very famous. This concept. And why? Why do you think that? It, if you could explain to people what the deck was. Well, first of all... You just kept adding it on. Yeah, first of all, now when I go into a company, they slap down the deck and say, we want to do this. And I say, (laughs) well, roll up your sleeves and let's get started because that's... You know, that's 10 years worth of work. Right, 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 so, right. You have to do your own thing. You know, you had to, in order to have high-performance employees, you had to figure out a way to find them, mm-hmm. right? And then you had to figure out a way when you hired a high-performance employee to do an amazing job on a particular problem and then they solve it. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do this? I tell HR people, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know how you hire somebody to do a job and then mm-hmm. they do it and then it's done? Mm-hmm. Now what? Yeah, right, right, exactly. Right? So all of that ecosystem around that probably took four years. Right, to get that. And then the tr- true story of the day, we're driving into work and Reed says, um, hey, I met this woman last night who's CEO of this really cool company that's putting PowerPoint slides online. Mm-hmm. I said, wow, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. wonder what somebody's going to put out there. And he said, well, I put the deck out this morning. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> You do what? <laughs> What's wrong Internal with that? Rules. It was our it was our onboarding tool, right? right? right you right. went through it, Reed right, and I yeah. would sit down yeah. with people and go through it. And I said, Well, first of all, I mean it's just hideous looking mm-hmm. graphically. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the little arrows and mm-hmm. the fonts aren't even the same and right. you know, not right. even written in the same voice. And second of all, you know, you're gonna scare away all my candidates. Mm-hmm. He said, But only the ones we don't want. Ah. <laughs> and that Once was, again, Reed, well done. Well you know, played. we just, it, it was just to give you a chance to prepare for coming to talk to us and be right. realistic with you about what life was going to be like when you got there. And it changed the way we interviewed, like, almost instantly. Almost instantly. And, um, and the interviews got instantly better, mm-hmm. right? Now, people understood. People understood or they didn't at all, mm-hmm. right? Or they would say, this sounds crazy. Do you mean I never can take a vacation? Mm-hmm. And what do you mean? It sounds so cruel and heartless. You know, mm-hmm. give me an example of how you guys actually operate. And it changed my role a lot. I still interviewed everybody at that point. I mean, a lot of times in my interview, I would say, you know, Kara, I don't think we're the right place for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You'd be a lot happier at Apple. Right, right. right. Where they, they tell you what to do, like stand yeah, this Yeah, or just, you know, this part, this time in your life structure might be better for you. So right. stay in touch. Right. And, you know, when life is different, call me back. And so it, it started that having really honest conversations with people. And what struck people 
was not that there was any brilliant innovation in the culture deck, because mm-hmm. it's really, yeah, it's just true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, we're talking to Patty McCord. She's the former chief talent officer at Netflix, very famous for its cultural handbook, I guess, essentially. She's the author of a new book called Powerful, Building a Culture of Freedom and Responsibility about how to fix human resources, motivate employees, and run companies better. We're going to talk about that, like what what she's gleaned out of it and what's happened in Silicon Valley, because there's been a lot of sort of traffic accidents or more um, in Silicon Valley, around a lot of which is around HR when we get back. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audiobooks are great for helping you be a better you, whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new. Patty, what books should I read to get better at something? You know, I get asked this question a lot, and I was just thinking, I think I want to read Lean In again. Oh, interesting. That would be a good Because um, I remember how shocked I was. I mean, I've been doing this forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was affirmative action officer Mm -hmm. at Sun Microsystems in the... 80s, and we celebrated our diversity up one side and down the mm-hmm. other. And when I read Lean In, I was just dumbfounded. I mean, because I knew the data. Right, right, right. <laughs> and it was worse. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Lean In, that's a great idea. I was just thinking of that the other day, too. Well, when you become an Audible member, you get credit every month, good for any audiobook in the store, regardless of price. And unused credits roll over for the next month. If you don't like an audiobook, you can exchange it, no questions asked. Audible helps you listen to more books by letting you switch seamlessly among your devices, picking up exactly where you left off. Start a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free. To get started, go to audible.com slash decode or text the word decode to 500-500. That's audible.com slash D-E-C-O-D-E, or you can just start with a text. Just text the word decode to 500-500. I'd also like to tell you about one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who did you talk to this week? Hey, Kara, guess who I talked to this week? I'll tell you. It's David Carey. He runs Hearst Magazines. Why would we have a magazine publisher on a digital media show? Because magazines are still a giant business. Uh, We talked about why that is, how that's changing, how it's maybe not changing, what's going to happen to digital media in 2018. Spoiler, David Carey is not bullish on digital media in 2018, or at least some of these companies. Um, Gave me a little chill to hear him talk about it. It's a good conversation. You will like it. Sounds great, Peter. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're here with Patty McCord. She was the former chief talent officer at Netflix, which was famous for its culture and the way it handled employees. We've been talking about how that was formulated, but she's the author of a new book called Powerful, Building a Culture of Freedom and Responsibility. Now, you just talked about powerful, the idea that people didn't have power, and you took away, people take away their power by giving them a set of rules that everyone follows. Um, And you all removed that and treated people like they could handle themselves. But let's talk about guidelines, because the concept, you know, it's sort of gotten mutated in Silicon Valley, where HR is mostly interested in recruiting and not, not much else. And so rules get abrogated, and they can be violated pretty quickly. And not just rules, but behaviors can turn toxic. Can you talk about that? If you're giving people all this freedom, you're giving people all this freedom and freedom to fuck up, really, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you can't tolerate fucking up. Right, right. And you don't need a rule to do that. Sure. But right? what, what, ha- what happens when you have this idea of not having rules or, or being... You have to see what the right behavior is. Right. It's one of the things that I find... Uh, you know, I've been gone six years. Right. So right. I spent a lot of time... I used to tell somebody, you know, Brandon's my street. I don't work other than Brandon. <laughs> but now I've, now I've expanded. Right. Um, people can't be what they can't see. Mm-hmm. 
And if they see their leadership acting like drunken frat boys, Mm -hmm. then everybody, men and women, are going to say, oh, okay, I get that culture. Mm -hmm. It's called drunken frat boy, Mm -hmm. right? And so they have to see adult behavior. And, um, And not just HR teams. HR teams should hold leadership and themselves accountable Mm -hmm. for living their truth. Right. Right. And so HR people are in the unique position of saying, this person is not doing it. It's not going to work out. They have to go. Mm -hmm. And figuring out a way to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very often the people that get away with the worst behavior can be someone who is a very high performer. Well, that's it. I think it was Ariana said, the high performing jerks. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think at Uber that was tolerated because the high performing was more important than jerks. Yeah, but you know, you got to follow the thread all the way mm-hmm. back to you know, follow the money. Right, right. And right. Meaning. I mean, the you know, you write somebody a billion dollar check and yeah. they figure they're pretty goddamn awesome, right? right and right. so the people that are writing the checks have some culpability oh, here too, oh, right? Trust you think? Me. All <laughs> I mean, uh, enablers is my favorite word of the people. I mean, some of the people who now were sort of horrified but gambling was going on there, I'm like, you gave them the money. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It was sort of and the you reason said, your children have no teeth is because you, you fed them And you sugar. said grow, 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 right, grow, right. growth at all costs, growth at all costs, growth at all costs. And, right. you know, when there's no consequence to anything and the you know, the funds are endless, then you have a license to do whatever it takes, quote, whatever it takes. Right. So there are some rules then. So what are they? I mean, because one of the things, you know, I only focus on you because there's the most, there's the quintessence of this kind of behavior, which is getting corrected. But when Dara, the CEO, came in and we had dinner, he called me, he's an adult, he called me immediately, said, let's have dinner, because I obviously had written a lot about it, uh, which I thought was smart. It's smart to kiss up to the press. There's Mm -hmm. all kinds of reasons Mm -hmm. why you'd call me. And I, he goes, what do you think the biggest problem I have? I said, you're a healthy adult person. I said, that's your problem. You don't see toxicity because you don't behave that way. And so it doesn't occur to you that others are like that. And so you'll be surprised almost constantly. And later he said, oh, my God, you were, you know, I was like, you don't, I always see toxicity. Like, I always You know, it's way. funny, one of my uh, executives said to me one time, um, well, you know, you have this gift uh, you know, you, you have you have this incredible intuition. You have this. You're, you're a diva in that yeah. way. And I mean, I really wanted to just leave it at that yeah. because he hadn't said anything nice about me in like right. a thousand years. <laughs> and um, he goes, you know, I just don't know how you do it, but you know, you'll find somebody in an interview and say this isn't going to work out. You're the boss. You hire him. But mm-hmm. I'm just telling you. Mm-hmm. It, it, and he said, you know, 100 percent of the time, you're right. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I really kind of want to go with that. I'm a diva part. But the (laughs) truth is we both have the same gift, and it's called pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. And you do it with numerals, and I do it with people. Right, 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 exactly. And, you know, when you pay attention, you will realize, right? And so there's two parts to it. One of them is you've got to be an adult, moral, grounded thoughtful leader mm-hmm. in order to surround yourself with other people like that. Right. You just have to do that. Mm-hmm. And then other people on the team, not just HR, but other people on the team must have a role where they say, I need to tell you what I see. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the Netflix culture, that thing about radical honesty was really about Reed and I a lot in the beginning teaching other people how to say, 
No. Right, yeah. You know, that's not okay to behave that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the consequences are you're going to have to work somewhere else. Right. And so why does that Why does that happen? Why do people, because people like rules or what, is it just, you're saying a lot of that's the way we do it. And I think very strong people say, well, why do we do it that way? Like, why is it done this way? Why do we pick this choice? And people just t tend to rely on, well, because everybody does. Well, I think the pendulum swung uh, so we're in the middle of another crazy swing, but mm -hmm. but particularly around here, before all of this blew up, remember the mantra was happy, happy employees, mm -hmm. right? And so, right. you know, if they didn't have seven kinds of craft beer, then they might leave for a company that had eight, right? right? right God right. only knows right. we would lose our... <laughs> I remember an HR person telling me, you know, they're going to walk out the door and they're going to go to a company with a better bartender and more money. And I'm right. like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> then you say goodbye. Yeah, right? exactly. You're leaving for a bar. Tender? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, so, but but to counter the everybody's happy all the time, mm -hmm. then you can pull out that quiet little handbook that has the rules in it, and now you've covered both your bases. Right. I see. That's right. 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 And the thing about holding people accountable mm -hmm. for real world adult behavior mm -hmm. is that it's not easy and it's not happy. Mm -hmm. So how do you, let's so in the book you talk about a, a range of things. So let's talk about what creates a powerful culture and a, a, a happy culture. Because you obviously want a happy culture, and I agree with you. I think the the seven kinds of crap beer creates a really indulged teenager, like yeah. a, like a toddler almost. Like here, take the sugar, take the sugar, take the sugar. And it also is kind of ridiculous on some level. You know what I mean? It's it, I, I'll never forget going to Excited Home. It was Excite at the time, and. They had a slide, right? Uh, you remember the slides, the whole slide era. Was... I remember going there, and they had a Porsche in the lobby. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because that true. was the employee referral giveaway. I guess was that you went into a lottery to win the Porsche. I'm like, oh. in any case, the slide was what yeah. riveted me, and the garage door. We yeah. started a garage. Here's a garage door. I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, okay, I see your ridiculous yeah, right, right. attempt at being ironic, but um, so they were. <laughs> we were on the second floor, and they said, "Go down the slide," and I go, "No, no, thank you." And they're like. Go down the slide. Everybody does. I go. Well, I don't. I don't like slides. I never liked them when I was eight, and I'm certainly, I'm certain here at forty, I'm not going to like the slide. Uh, I'm not doing your fucking slide. And it became like a thing. Like everyone has fun here. I'm like, I, I'm not fun. Like I don't know what to tell you. And it was a really interesting way they were building cultures back then. Like Google had the bouncing balls that you that you. I'm like, where's a chair? They're like, sit on the ball. I'm like, I'm not sitting on your exercise ball. Give me a chair. And it was like, it was a constant, it was a really interesting mentality. And parts of me liked that concept of fun. Some of it I liked, some of the freedom I did, but it was almost, it, a lot of it I didn't. A lot of it I thought, well, this is just ridiculous. This is kind of silly. But tell me, what does make a powerful culture? Because everyone, to me, it seems like you should respond to the people you are. So Oracle should be different than Google, should be different than right. Microsoft. Uh, there's so many ways to play with this. Right. But uh, I'll, if you go to any company and you ask five really successful people in that company about something that they did at work that they're proud of, that, that was meaningful, that sticks with them, that's going to matter in their career, mm -hmm. always the answer is going to be something hard. Mm -hmm. Right, man, we didn't think we could pull that off, and, mm -hmm. and we did. Or like, oh, it was so scary because nobody in the world had ever done that before, and we and we did. Or we didn't think we had the right person, and the right person showed up with the right. We we changed our minds. It's always hard. Mm -hmm. And I think deeply, I deeply believe this: that what's fun at work is getting great stuff done with mm -hmm. a team of people that you respect. Mm -hmm. 
And um, and so that's why the personalities can be different, mm-hmm. right? If you think about one of the beautiful things I love about tech and the internet and the world that we're in, as opposed to the world I joined. You know, when I when I was in HR at Sun Microsystems, I had no clue what that stuff was. Mm-hmm. I mean, but internet companies, there's a customer, right? And you're often a customer of your own product, right? And so that connection between what the work that you do and the people that use the product or service that you it's provide very is very very close now, mm-hmm. and so. So when you can be selfless and say, what's going to make me happy is that my customer is happy. What's mm-hmm. going to make me happy is that my co- company does well. What's going to make me happy is that I'm proud of the work that I'm doing. Then that's a whole different definition of happiness. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I haven't had fun at work. I've had plenty of fun at work. I've, mm-hmm. I've thrown lots of great parties, mm-hmm. usually to celebrate an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where the fun and happy get it's like culture, mm-hmm. right? When people tell me, well, how do I have a great culture? And mm-hmm. I say, well, what is it to you? Is it is it the bartender, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Is it the musical instrument corner where everybody jams? <laughs> I mean, you know, you and I, yeah. we've seen this crazy, oh, st- crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're pouring a mean, oaky Chardonnay this afternoon. You're mm-hmm. going to have to stick around for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I'm like it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm also. I'm always like I. I used to. I wandered around at Vox when they had liquor in the refrigerator. I'm like, so that's the sexual harassment to come. Refrigerator. Yeah, 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 right, right. That, like, you should just have a lab, like, a label on it. You have young open people for sexual harassment. You no, know, I was like, yeah. you have young people and lots of liquor. Wow, that's going to end well. Like, I'm pretty yeah. certain it's so, not. So that's where happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we can go lots of places with this. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, another thing that changed me profoundly mm-hmm. was when I, be, partly because of my recruiting background, said, you know what makes, what if we were a great company to be from? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Right? Oh, my mind here, what, what if that was what I wanted to create? Mm-hmm. I, I told that to Reed early. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what if, like, what if it meant something that you had Netflix on your resume? Like, you know, mm-hmm. how you you stand back and go, oh, you were at Apple, or mm-hmm. oh, you were early Google. or right. Like, what if, like, Netflix was like that? Mm-hmm. And when I started thinking that could be an operating principle for mm-hmm. me, the world... So how does that manifest itself? You put the right people on the right teams that do great stuff that they're really proud of. Mm-hmm. And, and because I had recruited, you know, because I had hired so many people, I know that's what makes your career, mm-hmm. especially in tech. So how do you find the high-performing people? How do you, how, what is, are there? Are my, there? my standing joke is there's an island that I only know about. <laughs> all the hyper, all the A players are there. <laughs> and, like, and so but how do you find I A's? go in the stealth of night. Or, or you start, other, you, you know, you say, I, I like that you're using A's and B's because I always say if you have a, a B and C around, you're in big, like, but Google here, was all A's supposedly. And, and it, it People don't get graded like that. Right. My A player is your D player, right? Right, right? I mean, you know, I can send you over a qualified software engineer and then I'm going to do you a damn bit of good, right? right, right. Um, right. It starts, it's a different mentality, mm-hmm. right? So if you start with the problem, not the person. I see. So the task. The task. Right. Yeah, not even the task, but right. more of the, what are we trying to solve for? What would be if I if the world was infinitesimally better mm-hmm. in six months. I use right. a six-month time frame because that right. seems to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. And the team was just knocking it out of the park, and everybody was mm-hmm. like standing back like, yes, mm-hmm. what would that look like? Mm-hmm. And when you start with that and you work your way backwards, I have a very clear methodology, six months out, give me your metrics, give me all your data. What you want to get to. You know, what you want to get to, what's going to be different, and then make a movie of it. 
you know, are people having knockdown drag out fights and somebody's winning and we're making a decision and we're moving? Mm -hmm. Or is everybody heads down and working quietly? Mm -hmm. Or is somebody standing up and going over to marketing going, what the hell? Mm -hmm. Instead of going, those marketing people, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, what What's that? behavior, right? Mm -hmm. What's it look like? And then you drop down and say, okay, in order for that to occur, what would people need to know how to do? Right. Well, I might need to learn, how, I, ne I might need to be able to have an argument and win or an argument and lose, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I might need to understand cross-functionality better. Mm -hmm. I might need to be really uh, detail-oriented. So right? how do you find So that? then you drop down and say, what kind of skills and experience would it take for somebody to know how to do that in order to accomplish that? And then mm -hmm. you look at the team you have and you see what the deltas are. Right, right. right. Now, two it. things can happen when you look at that. One of them is, well, I already, maybe three, I already have somebody who'd be great at this. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't need to hire somebody new. Two, maybe, wow, I don't have anybody on the team that has this experience at all. Mm -hmm. um, so, And not only that, particularly on issues of scale, we've only seen you know, five times this. We need somebody who's seen 500 times. Right. That's a really different person. Mm -hmm. Or you look at the team and go, oh, we got nobody. It's the wrong team. Right, right. It's they're great people. Right. We wouldn't be here today without them. Right. Literally. Right. right. That's why I always tell people like, when they come in and they want to say goodbye to somebody and they tell me how much they hate them mm -hmm. and how incompetent they are. I'm like, well, who's the boss? Right, 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 right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who allowed this incompetent behavior? Right. And typically it's not that somebody suddenly becomes incompetent because you didn't hire them because they were incompetent. Right, right. And if you did, you you lose. You're a terrible right. manager. Right. But the world changes, and right. that's not the right team. That's often the case I noticed. And I remember thinking today, while well, there were people who survived, they, there were all these moments of like, it's almost like climbing Everest, the crevasse, oh, you're down. Like, that's, you need to be pushed into the crevasse. Because, and, and what a lot of the unsuccessful ones is they kept those people and dragged them up the fucking hell. Like, I remember thinking, yeah, this person had the skills to get to here. Because a lot of it was about, Owing people and feeling emotionally connected to them, and still thanking is. them, and still it was, is. And some people all make it. Like it's and it's a really interesting thing, it's including among CEOs. Like I remember Pierre Omidyar when he quit CEOs, and he said to me, "He's like, I can't do this." Like, and he knew it. He was an adult. Now, unusual. Most of these guys think they can do it, and they can't. Like, you don't get a lot of Jeff Bezos um, and. Bill Gates, really, like can, that can take it to the next level. Yeah. Um, they all think they can, even though most of them can't, I would say, or many of them can. Well, it's, it's the teams they surround them with, right. themselves with, first of all. I remember Julia Hart like five, six <laughs> years ago saying to me, are you telling me, like, what if, what if I put my heart and soul into these people and, like, seven, eight years later we're successful and they're going to leave me? And I'm like, yeah. you want a whole company full of people who've only ever worked right, here? Right, right, Well, that's what I'm trying to... If you're really yeah. successful, right. you they know, you. some of them yeah. might work out, but, right. uh, but not everybody. Right. And so that's, that's back to my core of be a great place to be from. Yeah. Because then I can say, Kara, you're amazing... Mm -hmm. Thank you for yes, everything exactly. that you've accomplished. Let's figure out how you leverage that, mm -hmm. that drive. That, For example, early stage startups hire people who don't know much and love building. Right. Right. And right. some people get addicted to that stuff and do it over and over and over Right. Again. And they like it. And the issue is that for a lot of products, mm -hmm. when you build it, it's done. Right, right, right. right. And so, and so th and then, then what do you do? How do you then get people out of a company 
to do that. It's usually done in a really horrible way. I hate it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, I mean, that's it's, what I've it's another whole segment we can right. do. On, well, I want on to. Firing, I want to talk about right. yeah. Um, but I'm, it's like it, usually they don't um, they don't do it right. I've always it's always ugly. It's all it's always yeah. So that's uh, there's a lot of this in my book about how to be mm-hmm. respectful and right. honest and straightforward with people. Um, the two rules I had for termination were you couldn't be surprised and you had to keep your dignity. Right. And so in the exercise I just gave oh, you. The per- person who's being fired couldn't be surprised? That's right. Right, okay. Okay. You shouldn't be surprised. Couldn't. Couldn't. So I would say when you'd come in and say, I've had it with this guy, he's out of here, you know how frustrated I am, I've told him over and over, one more time and you're out of here. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I would say, great, why don't you wait here, I'm going to go ask him how he's doing. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, well, that one-on-one was... Yeah, they don't tell them. October. Right, so they didn't tell him. And then I go ask, and the person says to me, you know, every six months, you know, she gets her knickers in a wad, and she gets yells at me and tells me, like, I'm not communicating or whatever the hell it is she means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah, and she, and I cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then so she gets all done, and then I just go hide mm-hmm. for six months until it happens again. It's been like this for six years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the person has no clue. That they're, they're on no the No clue, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so in the exercise you just gave you, mm-hmm. I can come back and say, I've got some news that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. I started looking at what we're going to do six months out, and mm-hmm. I don't see mm-hmm. you in it. Right. And, man, I don't want you to, you know, leave mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish you didn't have to leave. If there's a, let's see if there's somebody someplace else in the company where your skills are really necessary. Mm-hmm. But if they're not then let's figure out a way for you to leverage what you learned here, what you've got here, so you can get a great new job somewhere else, right? right? And right. and make this contribution at your next level. Yeah, people never like place. to have that conversation. Now. No, but they don't know how. You right. know, part of it's all part of a whole system that I'm advocating, right? right? They don't have that conversation because they don't know how. And the reason they don't know how is that they think that feedback means negative, you know, constructive criticism. Right. And it's hard. And you right. know why it's hard? Because when you only do it once a year in the annual performance review, mm-hmm. I mean, what else in your life do you do once a year that you're good at? Right. Nothing. Right, right, right. Right? Right, right, but if I'm talking about this kind of stuff as part of our regular conversation, mm-hmm. I can say after the meeting, "What the hell went on in there?" Right, right. This is not. You didn't even speak up when right. the issue that you have been like burning my left ear off for the mm-hmm. last three months came up for a right. decision. Lots of people even, don't like complex. Yeah, I'm like, you didn't even open your mouth, and so guess what? You do not ever tell me you don't get heard because you don't get heard if you don't speak. Right, right, right. Better. Mm-hmm. would be in the meeting mm-hmm. to say, uh, Kara, about your opinion about this that I've been hearing about for six months, mm-hmm. you want to tell the rest of the folks what you've been telling me? Yeah, yeah. And uh, then you do. Right. And you don't die. Right, right. <laughs> and people and maybe really people at the table say, God, she's a bitch. But she's right. Right, right, 100%. What was interesting, though, is though sometimes as a manager, some people, you say it and they still don't listen. Like I had this conversation yesterday about something else and, I, and the, another manager, I was like, well, I don't think you're being clear. I'm like, oh, here, here's the email. It's quite clear. They just don't hear it. Like, I, I, you know what I mean? It couldn't be clear. It's a, and then they're like, oh, you really did. I'm like, I really did. And it doesn't matter. And then they complain about the thing. It, it's really fascinating. Well, there's a couple of ways to deal with that. One of them is patience. Mm-hmm. Because if you're right, you'll be right. Right. And, and, and the other thing is... Um, we don't, we're not clear about consequences. 
Oh, what will happen if, right? Yeah, yeah. like um, mm-hmm. if you keep, you know, venting to everybody else and not speaking up when a decision is made, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a reputation for somebody who just complains and has no solution. Right, exactly. You know, I, exactly. I problem finders are cheap. Right, right. You right. can find one of those every day, and engineers love I, this. You yes. know, the cynicism of yes. the conspiracy theory, and management's I, got their heads up their ass, right. or whatever it is, yeah. right? And so you have to teach them how to think about it. Oh, okay, if you were in management, what would you do? Right, right. Question one. Question two is way more important. Mm-hmm. If you're in management, what information would you need to make the right decision about ah, this? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right? And when you're in management... <laughs> I consulted to a startup where the CEO said to me, you know, we believe in mistakes like you do. We think mistakes are really important. Every time somebody in my company makes a mistake, I give them a bottle of champagne. I'm like, well, that's <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> that's such a Silicon Valley thing. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you do, you do. Let me oh. just tell you here, Rico, we don't like mistakes. And people pay the price. They get no champagne. They get hit with a bottle you of champagne. You know, it's just crazy stuff. And so he says, well, you know, and I'm really good about standing up in the company and telling him when I made a mistake. And I said, okay, that's great. Yeah. But you got to be humble and you have to say, I made a mistake. When I made that decision, here's what I knew. Right. Now that I realized it was a bad decision, Mm -hmm. here's what I know now that I didn't know then. Right. My mom's, I'm Texan. Mm -hmm. My mama says, you know, honey, the the difference between a wise man and a fool is the wise man doesn't make the same mistake. Ah, yes, exactly. That's right. right. Yeah. So that's where... Yeah, it's it's not a celebration of mistakes. I think what they're trying to communicate is that failure is not the... They they love that Thomas Edison quote. You know what I mean? They like to throw that back at you. Um, And what's interesting about it is that it's like, Mistakes aren't good. Like they just aren't. But the fa- the tolerance of mistakes and then moving moving well, on from a, them. And it's an early company. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a very startup phenomenon. You right. know, startups are all dumb ideas because right. if they were a obvious idea, somebody else was already doing it. So just <laughs> by their nature, they're dumb. Right. And and how you figure stuff out when mm-hmm. you're making stuff up is right. you just. Try, you know, yeah, your whiteboard's full of like, not that, not right, that, not, right, but right. if you don't try it, you don't right, know. That's what I mean. That's where it's getting to. And that's which what is it's a very getting to. And, and, that's, and that's healthy thing too. To but, me, that but, is. But you got to, the other thing that I, I will say that was fun at Netflix was so many times when we would say, oh, no, no, we tried that and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Somebody new would say, yeah, but it will now. Right. And we right. realized Damn. Damn, they were right. I just the other <laughs> day I had right. a thing like that before. Like, because you know, so at what scale, it it's a different. Yeah, exactly. You know, especially like Netflix was a great example. Yeah. You know, uh, somebody I would sit at tech meetings and they'd be like, you know, well, early adopters. I'm like, you're all members. Right, right, right. We don't care what you want anymore. Right, exactly. We care what my mom wants. I think what's interesting about that. Someone the other day they were. I, I, it's in in the journalism. It's like when someone breaks the story, so a reporter will always go, "Oh, I knew that." And I'm like fucking lot of good that does me. Like, <laughs> what, right. what are you telling me? You're smart. I think you're an idiot now because you didn't put it on the site. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. but that's like, it's a very similar thing. I knew that. I was aware of that. I Somebody asked that. me what time what I'd fire you for. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, oh, good question. They asked me in the interview. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, sexual harassment, breaching confidentiality, punching me in the nose. Oh, I know what I'd fire you for. I would fire you if we were in a meeting talking about something that went wrong. Mm-hmm. And you said, oh, I knew that, but nobody asked me. I'm like, I'd run you over the Yeah, line. yeah. Oh, very good. All right, on that note, we're going to go to the next section. Patty McCord is here. She's a former chief talent officer at Netflix. She's the author of a new book called Powerful, Building a Culture of Freedom and Responsibility. When we get back, we're going to talk about what are the key tenets of doing that. And I also want to ask about cohesion, which she will find out what I mean mm-hmm. when we get back. 
Today's show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Does your business have any New Year's resolutions? Here's an important one every business should consider. Make your hiring process more efficient and effective. ZipRecruiter can help. You can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. We're here with Patty McCord. She was a former chief talent officer at Netflix. She has a new book called Powerful, which is about building company cultures. Um, before we get to what, in this last section, we're talking about what does that? What do you think? Because I, I do think there are some hard and fast rules, but not a whole lot, essentially. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about today is cohesion. Um, of all the companies I've covered, all of them, what they do have in when I think about what they have in common is the cohesion of the staff, even if they don't like each other. Like, it doesn't have to be people who like each other. Like, Google was a very cohesive, it, its early stages was a very cohesive group of people. I cannot say they all liked each other. They were rather mean to each other, more than most. But it was cohesive as a group of people, which I thought was important. Facebook is absolutely cohesive. And they actually seem to like each other, too. It's a real, it's a very cohesive and uh, friendly, friend culture. Um I see a downside to that too, is that when you have a cohesive culture, you you have that, oh, we did that. You have a lot of uh, people giving each other a pass. Um, you have a lot of no new ideas. And, you know, I was talking to someone at Facebook about this and they're like, we've been together 10 years. I forget who it was there. Isn't that great? I'm like, no, that's not great. That's not, maybe it was, but now it's not because there's nobody, everyone knows everyone's role like in high school and nobody breaks out of it. I said, you need a really irritating pe- person there to say what, huh? Like you need to hire. And they're like, do you want to work for us? I'm like, no, no, that's not my point. <laughs> my point is that you, you, if you don't introduce new irritants into the culture and it doesn't have to be an irritating person, but it, it's a problem. And I think that's where companies die is when there's not, um, there's too much cohesion. So I'm just curious what you think about that. You may think I'm crazy, but I'm not. I don't think you're crazy. I think, well, a little bit, but not completely. Um, if you start with the business itself mm-hmm. and know that successful businesses evolve. Change, yeah. They have to. Right. Right. I, I remember uh, an engineer early on when we were, you know, 100 people said something like, I don't think management understands that things are really different and they're not like they used to be. <laughs> not all, like they used to and be. And we don't know, all know each other. Oh. I call it the nostalgia factor. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. when There's I Now when I coach small companies, I'm like, watch out for that. That's yeah. the first sign, right? Yeah. And, and right. it's like, I said, well, you know, you've told me this seven times and I'm a vice president reporting to the CEO. So management is aware. Let's strike that out of the right. sentence, right? I've talked to Reed about it five times. I've talked to you about it seven. So, I mean, okay, awareness is there. And mm-hmm. I said, do you know why things are changing? Why? I mean, I don't think you really like it. Because, <laughs> Your voice. because we're successful. Yeah. Do you know what we want to be when we grow up? Yeah. What? Uh-huh. Like a global corporation. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you what know? do you mean? And I thought it was going to be the small group yeah, people. Yeah, the beers. small group people. So, so, so I think part of what brings cohesion is, uh, is purpose and, and what discipline. the business is trying to do. And then what where disruption and the irritants are really necessary mm-hmm. is when the business morphs. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, when things change, then those those already those assumptions don't serve you very well. Right. Because you think you've solved all the problems and you know the answers to all right. of them. And it's not true. And you stick with the business that brung you. Right. You dance with the day that brung. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I mean, and and so I, I learned that by being at Netflix. I you know I always tell people I'm a serial entrepreneur and I really love startups. And the beautiful thing about Netflix for me was I got three and I didn't leave home. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the first one was, could we come up with a business model that might actually, mm-hmm. you know, traject past the money that we raised? And man, it was close, mm-hmm, right? It was. The second was DVD by mail, right? How could we make that business then work? Shifted. Then we shifted to streaming. And I left right at the cusp of original programming and global expansion, mm-hmm. right? Which is right. yet, and, and they're all distinctly different companies, right? right. right? At distinctly different. You no, know, I remember when Reed shifted to streaming and everyone was giving, I was like, no, 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 this is exactly right. Like, I love like him for doing this. I remember, you know what I mean? Like, good for him. Like, but he took it. Like, it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting moment when he did it that. It was an interesting moment to live it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. Right? But because, he was right. But, 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 but how we had cohesion around that was we talked about it and we talked about it honestly and we talked about it openly and it mm-hmm. was incredibly painful mm-hmm. as we started to realize that the DVD by mail business didn't need to be innovated anymore. Do you, do you have to talk honestly all the time to people? It's an interesting question because I remember when we sold uh, uh, to Vox after just a year, I just decided we had to because of lots of reasons because there was lots of funding from competitors. They were starting to try to poach our employees at enormous salaries that we just couldn't that weren't sustainable. And I remember someone saying, well, we're doing this, and now we're doing this. I'm like, yeah, we're just doing this. We're just shifting. Like, I just think we have to. And I remember thinking if I had asked everyone's opinion, we wouldn't have done it. Like, it was an interesting, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but you're using honesty in a couple of different ways right. there, right? Um, so when you are deciding right. something, right. and it is up to the executive team or the leadership team to make the decision, mm-hmm. and you're going to make the decision, mm-hmm. you can, you must say, here's the decision we're going to make, Happy to take input. In the end, we're going to make the decision. Right, right. right. We're not now, now. I've worked with companies who explicitly say, you know, we're going to be a consensus-driven organization. Right, that's what I mean. And so everybody's what, going to have input. And I say, that's wonderful. That's a, a really utopian ideal, mm-hmm. and it doesn't move very fast, and it doesn't get much done. It also creates, I think, this is just me. It creates a culture of unhappiness if the, they don't do your, if you don't listen. You to their always input. grow out of it if you're successful, right? No, I get that. I, I get <laughs> you, that. But it's a, just, it's a really interesting because then people feel like they aren't heard. I'm like, no, I just I listen to you. I just don't agree with you, and that's a very well. And there's some things I don't need to hear you about. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. If I'm making yeah. a change about you know a technical platform. Right. Then, you know, you really... None of your beeswax. It's none of your beeswax, right? right? And, but, but, but to have cohesion, mm-hmm. y- you have to trust the other people that they're doing the right thing and they're thinking the right thing. And right. They're doing right. it for the right, right and reason. Up and, so yeah. I would say the difference, the nuance for me in your comment about honesty, mm-hmm. there's a part of the respect that goes with honesty that says... I guess I'm just going to leave it to you to decide because this is your thing. Right, right. And I'm going to trust that you're going to make the right decision. No, I get that. I get that. But it was interesting. It was a question of like, I think when you're a manager, always thinking about how much stuff you should say and so much you shouldn't. Like, well, so what I'm saying is yeah. when you're in the middle of the decision-making process, once once the uh, 
input phase is over and now you're arguing mm-hmm. and deciding, then it's nobody's business until right. you've decided. Right. But it is sort of a Silicon Valley thing where everyone does get a say, which is interesting. I, again, I remember sitting in another company and someone put up their hand and I think it was a it was someone who just shouldn't have been saying anything. And I was like, and they're like, well, we listen to everyone. I'm like, why? It's, Why is that but, guy? You know, that's, like, the, I remember this too. This was my like this, that this was think, my role in a company. Right. My role in a company was to say, I know that you've been trying to get notice, and I mm-hmm. noticed that in the large company mm-hmm. meeting, you raised your hand and you questioned whether or not our head of product had done the math. Right. PhD. Right. <laughs> in math. Yeah. He's right. like, yeah, I think I thought you'd be proud of me for standing yeah. up. I'm like. Why would you ask such a stupid question? <laughs> like you didn't do yourself any favors there, right, buddy. Right. right. So, so when you have a couple, the reason because I went thinking of the James Damore thing, like Google was radically, you know, they had the the TGIFs where you could insult, and they would go down to like I didn't like the. It was often kombucha related, like or something. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, I didn't mm-hmm. like, yeah, 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 whatever yeah. fantastic I have, I have thing you got. Yeah, yeah um, right. I wasn't quite right. My fantastic lunch. Yeah. Um, and but it would be everything, and and so they would tolerate and encourage it, and then they moved onto boards and more boards. They have so many boards there. And that's where the James Damore thing popped up. And then, which I think was a shock to everyone, they're like, yeah, you can't say that. You're fired. Which I think a lot of people internally were like, wait, I thought we could say anything. And and I was like, oh, you could. Just There are consequences, which I thought was interesting. And so they had missed the part of the consequence part. Which well, they, A, if somebody asked me, you know, would you have fired him? I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, but hopefully. Yeah. I wouldn't have hired him because I'm telling you, he was exactly who he is I in the agree. interview. Right, exactly. Right? I mean, so so some of it is that tolerance for the brilliant asshole, mm-hmm. and I don't know, I don't know if this guy was brilliant or not, but mm-hmm. he certainly is kind of an asshole behavior, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's like so that so that's the can't be it. You, if you can't see it, you can't be it. If mm-hmm. people don't see people acting decently and respectfully with each other, why did that get so much attention? The firing because I it made per, the minute I was like, oh, you got to fire him. Like I remember arguing with Google. I'm like, I don't know because I this- called them up and I said I'll be writing about his fire, and they're like, well, we don't know. I'm like, oh no, you're gonna fire him. You have to. You have to. You have to fire. What are you talking about? And it was, in, I'm like, I'm typing it right now. And they're like, whoa. I'm like, no, you're fine. Like, I, this is where, I know where it's going to, the story's going to end. I'm just waiting for you to get there. And it was an interesting thing, though. A lot of people in Google found that problematic. It was it was touch and go with the top executives. It's, hum, it's human nature. Well, I mean, you know, you just. <sighs> because other companies certainly don't tolerate it elsewhere in the country. Here they do. Well, that's the, the myth of the engineer gets an input on everything, and that's right. what makes them happy. So. So finishing up, I want to talk about what impact has this sort of mentality of Silicon Valley, which is everyone gets to talk. It's a flat culture, although it sometimes isn't. Like it's a fake fat, fake news kind of flat culture. Um, it's everyone is happy. Um, everyone gets what they want. It's a very indulgent culture. What you know, Google I think really did lead the way in a lot of things. Like a hundred percent, they changed the way people. Some of which I thought was great, like the twenty percent, like the, the, the rethinking. Like I remember them experimenting with Quonset huts and where how people work physically, which I thought was great. The bicycles, all these ideas, was one innovation after the next. Some of which worked, some of which didn't. Have they changed culture, or does culture snap back? So I'm trying to get to the idea of what makes the powerful culture. Is is it that indulgence, or is it 
Well, it's, I don't, a, it's a bigger question. Where is the workplace culture I don't, going? I don't think it's the indulgence at all. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. So I'm a business person first, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then this other culture stuff later, right? Right. And so it's to me, it's like it doesn't matter if everybody's happy and you're not getting anything done and you're not successful. So mm-hmm. I mean, in the end, it always plays out. And part of the reason Google had such an impact with their culture is they had such an impact with their product. Right. 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 And so the association... But was that related? The uh, there was an association with it. Right. I, I remember Reed asked me one time, early on, we had just gone public. He's like, I need you to be a professional HR person and do a best practices survey on right. stock options in Silicon Valley. And as right. I'm going through my slide deck, I'm explaining RSUs. Mm-hmm. And he says... Um, this can't possibly be as complicated as you're making it. I'm right. like, dude, I haven't even gotten to the taxes. Right? <laughs> and he goes, what is this? And I'm like, well, the SEC's kind of got wind that we've been printing money out here and they'd like us to do something different. Right. And he said, well, who who does this? And I said, everybody. Right. It's like, wh- why? And I said, well, HR people are kind of sheep and Google and, and Google does it. And we call right. it best practices. And he said, what do we do before Google? <laughs> I'm like, whatever Microsoft did. Right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so some of it is a correlation yeah. between right. like you they know, look successful. Let's follow them and and the influx of um, younger workers into the system too. You know, it's an interesting thing now when I come in and people are you know thank God we've probably washed through the millennial story now because mm-hmm. I'm so sick of it. It's like mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. they're twenty something. What do right. they want? Everything. Everything. What do they want it now? Just like you did. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. And yeah. you know what I said my my son's thirty. I'm like, so what are we gonna call you? Like a thirlennial? Thirty <laughs> <laughs> something. Remember that show? Yeah, I do they it. They were so dissatisfied. But she's you know, but he's getting people. married and right. uh, like he's growing up and because right. he's thirty and he's not twenty anymore. Right. So um what were you talking about? I was talking about the impact on the code. Like, has have, has the Google mentality? I think it, you know, I've been, I've been in Silicon Valley for thirty years. Right. It, it's it changes. Has it's, it changed workplace at large across the country? The I do think so. I do think that here's what I think's profoundly changed: mm-hmm. collaboration. Mm-hmm. That back in the day. Um, your engineering team delivered a product to marketing, to market, to sales, to sale. Mm -hmm. And they were distinctly different organizations that had their own behavior sets and their own set of rules. Don't even get me started about sales cultures, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think every company I talk to now delivers their products to their customers collaboratively. You rarely have a... You know, let's talk about how we're going to solve this problem. And somebody from marketing, and somebody from sales, and somebody from engineering, and somebody from product. Right? It's uh, people from cross disciplines are mm-hmm. together now, mm-hmm. and it's partly because we're more networked. Social networking mm-hmm. helps us, and social. You know, we can we can collaboratively work and be more informative with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, where the top down right, right. hierarchical is like I know something you don't know, and the right. far, farther and I go in yeah. the pyramid, then the more right. information I have, which means the flatter the pyramid, the the more the people on the bottom are. Expected mm-hmm. to not be able to handle it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, here's a great example: open compensation. Oh, what's that? Like, would should we tell people salaries? Mm-hmm. Or should we post people salaries? Mm-hmm. And my theory is, you should be able to explain why you're paid what you're paid. Right. If, we, if it's like we're cheap, then say we're cheap, mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, or if right. it's like this person makes more because they're worth more in the market. It's a market-based right. system. I but, think what happens is you realize none of it's organized, and it's often 
It's judgment. judgment. It's a judgment call. Yeah, always yeah. has been. Yeah, the organization I know, I know but I think it's, it's just but it's a bad judgment call a lot of some of the time. Lots of times, and we can yeah. we can do that one too. Right. But I say I remember saying to the exec team, you know, I think we should be able to share compensation. Oh, mm-hmm. we can't do that. Mm-hmm. No, we can't do that. And people would freak out. Mm-hmm. They would flip out. It's mm-hmm. so emotional. You know, it's like very personal information you wouldn't share. I'm like, so first of all, they share it anyway. Yeah. Just in case you think that just when you got promoted, yeah. you stopped sharing. You, you didn't. We right. all see it. Right? So, but we can handle it because mm-hmm. we're executives and right. we're smarter and mm-hmm. we're selfless. And mm-hmm. so we can, because we're mature. We're the grown, right? We're the special ones. Mm-hmm. Of course, everybody in payroll can handle it. Right, because they know. Because they're... Not there. smart enough? Right, right, right. And all those people in the middle, I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an, that's an interesting question, and I think they should. But I, cause I do think it does reveal that people make, that certain people, especially men, can do better at getting more money, and it's very clear. You know, it's pretty... Oh, you want to go there? No, no, we <laughs> I mean, don't, we don't. You know. But I do want to end up, we have to finish. Um, you know, I, we have to stop in very briefly at the at the Me Too movement and everything else, the sexual harassment. Is, is there going to be real profound change from this, do you feel? First, I mean, it's... First, we got to write some checks. Right. Okay. So when I talk to women's groups mm-hmm. or HR groups mm-hmm. and the doors are closed, I'm like, okay, let's review. What are the three most female-dominated organizations in any company? Mm-hmm. HR, finance, and sales and marketing. Right. We own pay. Mm-hmm. We own two of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So seriously, right. Right. go home right now, write some checks, and make it better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, because until we have pay equity, right. I, when I look back at my time right. at Sun, I mean, you know, okay. yeah. we celebrated, I mean, our Cinco de Mayo party was to die for. <laughs> I mean, you know, I hired <laughs> elephants and tents and you know, mariachi bands, yeah. and right. we didn't touch pay. Right, right. Yeah, that's where it counts. It's 25, 30 yeah. years later. Don't and give me a party. Still, yeah, it's salary. like, stop it. You know, right. it's, and I got interviewed last, two days ago, mm-hmm. um, somebody from Time, and she said, what do you think about the the response of the Me Too movement after all these harassers mm-hmm. have been fired and now all these women are taking their place? Right. And I said, huh, isn't that interesting? Because out here in the Silicon Valley, I hear the VCs and the executives go, it's a pipeline issue. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah I know. That's if there favorite. were qualified women, yeah. I'm like, these women are in the room. Right, yeah, exactly. Just sitting next to Matt right, Lauer. Right, right, yeah, yeah. She's a qualified right, journalist. Right. You want to find qualified right. people? yeah. Open your eyes. Yeah, well, it's the same thing with the boards. You know, I wrote years ago, I wrote a piece about the Twitter board because it was driving me crazy. It was 10 white men of the same age, essentially. And so the, I, I always talk about it's my favorite lead of all time, which was uh, the board of Twitter, which has three Peters and a Dick, um, <laughs> which they did. That was their names. And I remember Dick Costello calling me and saying, that was rude, but really funny. <laughs> and I was like, well, I was trying to make a point. He's like, a funny guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. It, was that, like... At the very least, if you want to argue the pipeline issue everywhere else, you can't argue it on boards. There's qualified women, people of color, all kinds of people that you can pick for boards. So there's a play. I'm like, there's just no pipeline issue on a board. And it was really interesting. I was like, you just don't want to change. Like, that's, you know, you're just being, I use the phrase, it's not a meritocracy, it's a meritocracy. Like, you just. Oh, God, and yeah. And it was. I, Carol Bartz. Mm-hmm. Um, Carol. Uh, Carol Bartz. Uh, big old glass of yeah, Chardonnay in her hand, yeah. yes. Um, at Sun in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody always wanted her to be on these women's mm-hmm. panels, right? And I'd set her up because I ran diversity. Right. Right. Um, and I remember her saying, here's the deal. Be really good. 
Be mm-hmm. really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Get promoted a lot. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to those people who dismiss half of the employee population on the basis of their genitals mm-hmm. because they're stupid. Right, right. That's just stupid. Mm-hmm. So then make sure that they get work for you mm-hmm. eventually and then just watch for them to be stupid. Right, right, right. And fire them. Right, right. <laughs> like right. she's like, it's a slow it's slow and it's methodical, yeah. but really yeah. it works. So just be amazing and right. fire them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think what it is is that but you think that sustainable because that now change will happen. I hope so. It I didn't mean after Ellen Powell, it didn't I know, but I think we've had it. I yeah. mean you know, I, I get asked like about this it. a lot. It's like, you know, what are, what are women doing this time? I'm like, we've had it. We've had it. Yeah. It's it's enough. Yeah. It's yeah. enough. And yeah. and we, and the other thing that I I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping is different is that there are men at our sides who will help us. Abs- uh, help us. It's in their interest. You know, even, I yeah. I just talked to a friend who's a, a engineering exec and he said, "Yeah, you know, the company I joined kind of went too far and they lowered the bar." Mm-hmm. And I Send him a long email. I'm like, you remember how I loved you, and I still do. Mm-hmm. Do not ever. Oh, say low. lower the bar again. Yeah. as long as you live. Right. Oh, and I, I am there inside of your head, listening like I always have. Yeah, been. yeah. And how did? And I said, I, I know it doesn't it. seem like much to right. you, but it's a death of a thousand cuts, and we oh. can't take, take it, it yeah. anymore. It and you're a good guy, and right. we need you right. on our side, and you've got to help. And whenever, you know, just call me anywhere right. you are. The lower the bar thing is really interesting. I've always noticed that they only bring standards up when it comes to women and people of color, but not with the 10 idiot men, white men they hired. It's really, and I was like, you never used it for that. I know that guy's an idiot, I'm pretty <laughs> certain. And that guy's an idiot. And there, but you never use the word standards. They're really, it's a, th- those, those are a thousand cuts. One of the things that's interesting about the had enough thing is it was someone the other day and they're like, well, do you think things are changed? I said, you're lucky we don't kill you because that's next. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. You might be dead. Yes, there could be death. And right. I have two sons. I was like, <laughs> you might be dead. Yeah. Like, and it was, it was like, ha I go, no, really, we might kill you. Like, like you're lucky. It's a really interesting thing, and I hope it does. I hope it doesn't degenerate. Because after Ellen Powell, we did a story about people saying, "Now we can't hire women." Sort of, it's the Mike Pence. Oh, give rule. me a break! I know you know what I mean. Now we can't work with them. Now I have to go. Someone was the other day was I have to go to dinner. Someone has to be there when I go to dinner with a woman. I'm like, what? You can't control yourself. Like you can't. Because they might say something. I'm like, come on. Like I, so, somebody asked me about it day before yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not having this infantile discussion. Yeah, exactly. Really, I'm, right. I'm just not. You know, I've well, been it's a the grown victimization. Up, oh, stop like, it! Yeah, I mean, like, just get over it. Oh, yeah. did you, will it hurt? Yes, I know. It's always people with the biggest guns who feel like they're under siege. That's my feeling. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I'm going to steal bar, that one bar. from you. Anyway, Patty, this has been great. Um, so if I'm going to finish up because uh, what is like the key, if you'd take away, I, know, I don't like to do one thing, but what do you think the key part of a powerful company is? I think it's treating people like adults, but you may have a different opinion. I'm with you on that. Okay. I, but I think it's, uh, I think really the key is context. Mm-hmm. Having people understand your business or your service or your client or your company, what are you doing and how does it work, mm-hmm. right? I often say, you know, the number one thing I, perk I would give a customer service rep, mm. I teach them how to read a P&L. That's a great idea. I you know, because then they would, they, say, they would say, damn it, you know, if I don't piss off that customer, then they might tell somebody we're a good company mm-hmm. and that's going to be $17.49 of marketing spend that doesn't have to happen. Right. And I just and I can go home at night and go, I contributed $5,000 right. to the bottom line today. Yep. Yay me. Yeah, 
All right. Patty, we're going to have you talk, come back. I'm going to have you come back. The thing that I'm doing, we're going to talk about the future of work and how what jobs are going to be when we go forward. But this has been great. I recommend that you get the book. It's by uh, Patty McCord. She was the chief talent officer of um, Netflix. Her book is called Powerful, Building a Culture of Freedom and Responsibility. Responsibility, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes. You can find more than 175 past interviews, including with Reed Hastings and whatever app you have used to listen to this or on our website, recode.net slash podcast. Don't tell Reed, but he's one of my favorite executives in Silicon Valley. Don't tell him. I won't. All right. And if you have a minute. He doesn't need it anymore. Yeah, that's true. He's still a great guy. He's a great guy. If you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find the show. Now that you're done with this, you should check out our other Recode Radio podcasts on Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You hear no-nonsense interviews with some of the smartest people in media entertainment. I also host Too Embarrassed to Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode, and thank you to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. <laughs>